big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and bins. Go to the website. We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good morning, welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Delighted to welcome Taylor from Newcastle United, Scotland supporters. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, Steve. Morning, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, great to see you, mate. I am good, mate. Recovered from my birthday, another year older, another year wiser. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, but yeah, thanks to everybody out there in uh, the YouTube stratosphere for their best wishes. And those of you on social media, wish us all the best as well. Had a cracking day, quiet one with family. Uh, but uh, yeah. Good to be back and looking forward to Newcastle taking on Bournemouth at St James's Park today. Three points, that's all you really want for your birthday. Um, but we are here to talk about Newcastle United Scotland supporters uh, group. And uh, Taylor, just, you know, you know the way this works. Just really want to know a little bit about you first of all. So, you know, how, how long have you supported Newcastle? Yeah, thanks, Steve. So probably about 30 years now, yeah. So going back to, to when I was a youngster, um, would have been during Keegan's days at Entertainers, so in the kind of early 90s. Um, probably my earliest memories are walking into my dad's bedroom, seeing him wear the the blue McEwen's strip, you know. So that, that was probably my earliest memory, a Newcastle strip. And then just Sky Sports come about. So everybody up in Scotland had, had an English team as well, because that was, it was the Premier League. It was on the TV. It was, all, it was where all the money was. Um, and Newcastle also played Dundee United in the Fairs Cup when they won it a long, long time ago. So that was my dad's affiliation with Newcastle. So so that's how it supported. I started with him. I grew up watching my dad watching Newcastle. Then I started, and then it's just kind of continued through the family. So, yeah, my love affair has probably lasted about 30 years now, and hopefully it continues for a lot longer. What an era to start supporting Newcastle entertainers. And, I mean, this team at the moment, Eddie Howe's Newcastle United, has drawn comparisons. Would, would you agree there's comparisons between the two? 100%. Well, I think we've scored 10 in the last three games and let in seven. So some might argue that actually Keegan's Keegan's um, Eddie Howe in disguise, right? Um, yeah, it was that sexy football. It was always we were going to score more than you. If you scored four, we were going to score five. So when you kind of grew up watching that sort of stuff, it was that's why they were called the entertainers for a reason. It was that sexy football. It was, we were going to go out, we were going to score more goals than you. 
But yeah, there's, def- there's definitely similarities between the teams. I think um, I think last season we were really resolute and tight at the back. This season we've probably not been quite as tight at the back as what we have been. So yeah, probably see that's where the similarities are starting to come from. That we're probably shipping in quite a few goals, but we have got that ability to go and punish teams when we're playing on that front foot. Yeah. So getting back to the uh, the Scotland supporters group, uh, how long has that been um, going? A year today. So it's actually our official first birthday today. We set up officially on the 17th of February 2023. So it's actually been a year today. Um, I was set up on... Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Um, I was set up on the back of me taking my daughter to um, our first match. So my daughter's birthday is in around January time. It's always quite difficult to get a present. You know, right after Christmas. So I said to my partner, look, still want to take my daughter down to the football. It's now the time. And she finally gave me the green light and says, yeah, you can take the wee last student to the football. So we managed to get tickets for her for Southampton semi-final second leg. So that would have been the 31st. So that was our very first match, was going to see Southampton in the semi-final second leg. Um, and what an atmosphere that was. That was, that was like Benfica. It was rocking. You know, the stadium... You could feel it. There was something in the air that night. It was something special. So for that to be our first game, yeah, it was it was pretty special. And is she hooked after that? Oh yeah, she was hooked beforehand. But you know, once once you get into the the stadium and taste the atmosphere, it's it's, it's just something else. It's it's just gripping. Um, so yeah, she's definitely hooked. She's consistently asking me, "Have we got tickets in the ballot yet? Have we, have we had any more luck? Um, have you managed to get them in the resale?" So yeah, she's she's always itching to get back down. Ah, um, fun. Fantastic. So, so you you started up. How did you start it? Was it was it just the Facebook group? Yeah. So it was actually my daughter's idea. So at the time she was only nine. Um, after the game, we were obviously buzzing. Um, probably important to say that you know there was a long time ago, Steve. I didn't actually think that I'd, I'd be able to share that experience with my daughter. I was actually take her to St James's Park and walk up those 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 steps. So. It was a pretty emotional day anyway. It always is when you're jumping on the train, you're going down, the music's on, you're getting in the zone of the football. I always get a little bit emotional. But that was kind of extra special because it was her first game, because of the, the the emotion around the night as well. So it was pretty emotional. On the train back up the road, I remember um, she said to me, she seen me bouncing from one social media group to the other. I was probably checking out a bit of NUFC matters, bouncing to the black and white vision, bouncing between the groups. And she'd said... Why are you going from group to group? I said, well, because this one's got this, this one's got that. And she come up with the idea, of, well, why don't you just create your own group? Stick all the stuff that you like into the one group. But actually, we can maybe raise some money for charity while we're doing it as well. That's exactly what we did. We sat and thought about what we were going to do, how could we do this? And we set up a Facebook group um, on the 17th of February, 2023. And to be honest, Steve, the first couple of weeks, it was just myself. Um, my partner, a couple of my friends listening to me talking about Newcastle all day, all night, seven days a week. And then it just kind of snowballed. Um, so it kind of started quickly picking up. And within about seven, six months, they'd probably become Scotland's largest Newcastle-based supporters group. So it grew really quickly. Um, and we didn't expect it to kind of snowball and grow like it has. But it's been amazing. It's, it's been an absolute incredible year. And it's all thanks to my daughter for kind of giving us the inspiration and the ideas to do it. Fantastic. That's a great story. Yeah, wonderful way of um, you know, remembering it as well as, as time moves on. How many members have you got then on, on the on the socials, on the on the Facebook group? We're at about 650 now. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a slow burner to start with, but it just it's just gathering momentum. Um 
it's a real community. So we know that there is groups out there that have thousands of people in them. Some you pay to be a part of, some you don't. We're a free group. It's just a real good community. As a and the folks in the group will tell you that as well. Um, there's no kind of drama. It's just a respectful group that a few people that want to get behind the lads, the lasses, and the young team as well. We don't just focus on the first team, but we focus on the development squads, the lasses, and give them the latest updates and those. Do lots of competitions, give loads of stuff away for free as well. That's the aim of the game, is that we're going to produce some quality products, merchandise, and try and produce that at affordable, affordable prices for folks, and also give some money away to charity as well at the same time as we do it. So those of you who are in the chat, good morning. You can see the Facebook group link. I've just stuck it in the chat there. I've also stuck it in the description for the video if you miss out on the live chat this morning. Uh, but yeah, give it a click. It costs nothing to join. Just uh, give you know give that Facebook uh, group a follow and uh, a join. And um, yeah, just just be part of it. But um, you know, obviously getting together with with these people is something I, I guess that you've wanted to do. Um, you've got a, an evening with Norberto Solano coming up, which um, you know you you know you asked me to try and help with, and. Uh, We've managed to get there. We've managed to do it. How how how's that been? How's the process been? You know, for you for for setting up the event and and you know putting it together. It's consumed me every moment of my days, my nights for the last couple of months. Um, but it's been great. I've had great support from guys like yourself, Steve. Right, so professionals that have done this sort of stuff before, very calm and collected all the way through it, whilst I'm running about screaming fire in the background. Um, <laughs> But no, we've set it up from scratch. So I had the, the wild idea that we'd like to try and take this up a notch. So we'd, we've launched our pin badges, our hats and scarves and all the money to charity. But we want to try and take it up a notch and, and bring someone closer to home for the Newcastle fans that are in Scotland. So we thought about a night that we can put on, do a bit of a fundraiser on behalf of Teenage Cancer Trust. And yeah, we managed to get the, the legend and the Hoff, now Hall of Famer that is Nobby Solano, to come up to Scotland to do us a, an evening uh, with yourself, Steve. So yeah, really looking forward to it. But because we've created it from scratch, it's it's literally been a lot of kind of investment in terms of time, creating um, banners, posters, table decorations, the table plans, you name it. You know, no little detail has been spared. So it's going to be a really, really special night. We're sold out. I know everybody's really buzzing and looking forward to it. Um, I know Nobby's looking forward to coming up as well. So yeah, really, really looking forward to it. To, to have Nobby Solano and Dundee, um, it'll just be an absolute dream come true. And hopefully we can raise loads of money for Teenage Cancer Trust on the night as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a worthwhile cause, the Teenage Cancer Trust. I've done quite a bit for that over the over the years. Why, why that charity? Yeah, so we have four charities that we work with um, or we try and raise funds for. The first charity that we did, so we designed and uh, devised our own pin badges, the logo that you just see come up on the screen there. And we sold those, and half of the money from each pin badge went to Spina Bifida and Hydrocephalus Association in Scotland. And then we decided, actually, there's probably a bit more that we can do for some other charities as well. So we reached out to some of our members and asked about charities that were important to them. Teenage Cancer Trust was one of those, so we've done some fundraising for them. But we've also done some fundraising for Great Ormond Street Hospital and the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation as well. So we've launched, we've got our two new pin badges launching on Friday at our Nobby event. We're going to be raising um, funds off our new black and white badge, which says supporting the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation on it. And half the sales of those will go straight to the Bobby Robson Foundation. And we've also got pink ones that are going to be raising funds for Copperfield. So that's supporting the fight against breast cancer as well. So we've got four charities that we work with. They're all equally as important to us. Um, and we do also make donations to Bruno's Magic Hat and them in Newcastle as well. So they're another brilliant charity that's doing a lot of great work for the food bank so big shout out to the work that they do and 
happy to continue to support them where we can as well. Great stuff. So, what's what's your plans for the the supporters club in Scotland? Have you got any 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 other ideas, or you're just taking it week by week? Yeah, we do have lots of ideas, but we're always looking for that kind of support, um, just to try and other people get involved, come up with other, other ideas. We have got a golf event that's going to be coming up, so we're going to, a couple of our members are going to be getting together and discussing that after our Nobby event, looking to do a bit of a golf fundraiser. Not so good at golf, Steve, so I mean, I'll go, but I think I would end up being the bogey. You would draw the short straw if you got me and your team. Um, we're looking to do, we've been in contact with the club, so we're Matt at the family liaison officer um, and the supporter services. We're looking to do a charity football match as well, um, see if we can do it against another supporters group. So if there's any other supporters groups out there that, that want to get in touch and, and take on NUSS in a charity football match, raise some brilliant funds for charity, then yeah, get in touch and potentially do some more of these nights as well. So we really anticipate that the Nobby Night is going to be fantastic. And if we can do some more of that sort of stuff as well, bring more um, legends up to, to Dundee and Scotland and raise more money for charity, yeah. But we've got lots planned, lots of stuff that I'll probably not give away just at this stage, Steve, to... To ruin the excitement but yeah there's there's lots in the pipeline coming up for the next year ahead and there you go ian mckenna's donated uh 20 pound towards the the cause mate so uh, i will bring that up next week mate thank you very much for doing thank that you, brilliant great stuff um yeah from 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 your point of view uh you know newcastle as you said 30 years um you know of your life spent supporting newcastle um plans for get-togethers do you you know is there anybody who you've met so far through the group over the last 12 months who you've said oh let's watch the match together have you got a have you had a base or anything like that or have you you know have, have you not done that yet because obviously we see it with a lot of the the supporters groups who we've spoken to so far that you know many of them in america um lots of lots of support in america get get together they have a set bar etc to go and watch the matches in yeah so we have a thing on our page called local mags um, and that is for Scotland could be quite rural, particularly as you start to head up north as well. So um, we do have a, a section called local mags where people are put in where their local areas for meeting up in that particular area. And then the, the, the chaps will put a post up and do a bit of a get together. So folks up in Aberdeen will meet. Some of the Dundee mags will meet. Fife mags will meet as well. And they'll do meetups in their, in their kind of local areas. We did do a big massive meetup for the Rangers um, game for Alan McGregor's testimonial. Um, in the pre-season, so that was fantastic. We all went through to Glasgow, had a big meet-up, had a, had a few beers, and, and we all went off to the game, so that was fantastic. But yeah, the, the amount of people that we probably met through the group, so guys like Johnny, Mark, you know, guys that live in my local town that I potentially never went to the game with before. Um, I'm now starting to go to the games regularly with them, with my daughter, whereas before we might have just been heading down on the train with kind of family and stuff. I would also say as well that there's probably a lot of group, people in the group, Steve, that I've never met, but I actually feel really connected with because of that kind of community feel. So I might never have been at the game with them, but we're consistently talking like we ha like we do go to the game together, you know, we're having virtual beers and talking about the match. We've done some virtual watch-alongs as well during the, the, the USA games in the summer. So whilst we were playing late at nights, we'd stay up late and we'd kind of have the chat and that on the go and, and have some beers and chat. So, yeah, we are looking to do lots more meetups in the year ahead, but it tends to be kind of split out to the kind of local areas as well. Yeah, that's Great stuff, mate. It's um, it's always good to see fans get together around the world. I mean, obviously, Mitch and the lads uh, do it in Dubai as well. It's it's fantastic, and then yeah, pe people building up these, you know, different different supporters groups, you know, to to support our our club. So you're on Facebook. Are, are you on anything else? Are you on Are you on X? Are you on LinkedIn? What what? Where else can people find the supporters group, Taylor? 
we're largely driven on Facebook, so it is a, that kind of Facebook community. Um, we do have plans. To, I've got a personal account on X. I'm not. I'm not the very. I'm not so great with, with Twitter and the uses of it. So yeah, we are largely based on Facebook at the minute. So come and check us out. And obviously, you've, you've put the link in the group. But we are kind of looking to break out into Twitter and stuff over the next year as well. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Okay, good stuff. We'll give the group a plug uh, a little bit later. Um, obviously, uh, Newcastle United is is our shared passion. Um, first question: What have you made of the season so far, Taylor? I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, considering the injuries, considering we had the Champions League, we had the toughest group in there. Um, I don't think it's been a bad season. I don't think it's been as bad as folks think um, or that we've seen kind of quoted in the media and the press. The league position maybe doesn't look as generous as last season, maybe a few points shorter than we had on the board last season. But we didn't have the, the kind of injury crisis that we had um, we have this season as well. So I don't think it's been as bad. I also think that some of the fixtures we've got coming up are probably a bit more favourable as well. So we've got boys that we know are potentially coming back from injury. Some of those fixtures coming up ahead as well look a little bit more pleasant. So in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's been a disastrous season. I think it's been challenging, um, but I also potentially think there's an element of to, to how, how well Eddie had them playing last season. He had them playing extra levels. They were playing levels above potentially where they were um, last season. And then this season, getting those consistent levels as well is going to be a little bit more difficult when you've got games midweek, then jumping on back at the weekend, then you chuck the injuries in. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's been a disaster, um, but yeah, I think there's there's probably some some opportunities. Um, there's been some dropped points, um, but yeah, I still think we've got a positive, and I think if we can go on a good run from here out to the end of the season, I don't think Champions League's off the table, and I certainly don't think Europe's off the table for us yet either. Mm. I mean, you know, you've mentioned the injury situation. It, it's been a freak season. Um, I, you know, I, I've never known a season like this, not only for Newcastle, but for any any team to suffer as many injuries. Um, yeah, is your mindset towards the fact that we've played extra games? Do you think, I mean, Eddie Howe came out in his press conference last weekend and said, you know, it's a collective responsibility. We're all to blame. He seemed to point towards work that had potentially been done in the gym. Maybe that's the recovery. Uh, you can't really put a finger on it, can you, as to why we've had so many this season? It's interesting you mentioned the recovery there because, you know, has our physiotherapist not just moved on? Yes. I think he's on extended maternity leave, which, you know, understandable. Somebody's a kid, needs an extra couple of weeks off. You don't know what's going on. That's totally fine. But the fact that he's then moved on after that external, extended paternity leave as well, I don't know if there's someone in that, but it certainly feels like we've only got space for one striker on the fit, on the fitness table at a time, right? Because it's like a one-in, one-out system at the minute. So, yeah, there's potentially someone in that, in that recovery, in that physiotherapy space that, that that's just not quite right because the amount of injuries are, are yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and it's the, it's the type of injuries we've had as well, of course. I mean, you know, just, just injuries you would never get, but the length of time that those players have been out. It's been it's been absolutely crazy. And, um, you know, that Wilson now, you know, missing Isaac, potentially, you know, missing today at least, hopefully be back next week. But, it, it yeah, it, 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 it is frustrating. The, the other big story this week, other than Callum Wilson's, you know, injury, which is going to keep him out for nine to 12 weeks, has been Dan Ashworth. What have you made of that situation? The will, will he stay or will he go? It's unusual, isn't it? Normally, the, the, the speculations about football players, not about 
kind of sporting directors or these kind of guys in the higher boardroom positions. Um, and it's a little bit of a shame as well because it's potentially going to take the focus off the game this week. You know, that'll potentially be a bit of chat and, and hopefully the players don't uh, pay any notice to it and they just crack on as usual. But it is a bit of a strange one. Um, you would think for Dan Ashworth to get the best out of his role at Newcastle and Newcastle will get the best out of Dan Ashworth. That wouldn't be a bit of a project. In four or five years, you'd be looking at um, coming in, having a bit of a strategy, a bit of a plan. So for Dan Ashworth to be looking to move on so quick and for Newcastle to kind of be, yeah, we're open to that idea so quick. I think there's maybe something going on under the surface. There may be a bit more than, than what we just think. Um, but potentially, it's a good way of getting around FFP. I've seen someone, 21 million was his release clause for Dan Ashworth. Now I've seen someone else that they're looking to pay six million. Is that potentially something that can help us with FFP as well? Um, if we get a few quid in for Dan Ashworth, if he wants to go, is he the right man to be there anyway? If his head's been turned by Man United, um, so yeah, I think it's a bit of a strange one. But if he doesn't want to be there, then yeah, let him go. Let's get some cash in for him, and let's actually get somebody in that, that does want to be there. I did like what uh, Roy Keane had said last night. Uh, I'll I'll quote Roy Keane here. Uh, talking about Dan Ashworth, he said, he doesn't hang around, does he? I'm not sure loyalty is on the top of his list. He left Brighton for Newcastle. And now, in only two years, he's jumping to join United. You have to look at that side of the personality as well. No doubt he is brilliant at his job. But who's to say in a year and a half, he might want to go to Real Madrid or Barcelona? And when Roy Keane speaks Manchester United fans, listen, um, maybe mm. that's changed their perception slightly. Um, I've noticed cer certainly on 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 X uh, over the course of the last seven days, Man United fans celebrating as if they've bought Shearer again, Taylor. But um, might not be the might not be the dream signing they want because I, I sat down prior to doing the Amigos this week and just tried to work out what exactly Dan Ashwood had brought us, um, and I could only really come up with Tenali and and a couple of youngsters. I couldn't really say that he facilitated anything major that has that has turned us around. Maybe we'll see the fruits of his labour in the future. Maybe Yanku Baminte might become one of the greatest strikers in, in the world. And, and and you know, that the, the small fee that Newcastle paid for him will be, you know, will reap the benefits and, and, and end up with a hundred million pound striker on our hands. But I'm not so sure. Like, and uh, I think it's much ado about nothing. I'm, I'm not as disappointed to hear that he might go and, I agree with Eddie Howe and what he said in his press conference yesterday. You know, then he'd like this sorted out sooner rather than later. Yeah, because it's obviously impacting Eddie as well. You know, if Eddie's got transfer targets for the summer, if there's business that needs to be done, he wants to be kind of addressing those and getting things lined up, getting his ducks in a row um, beforehand. So if there's been planning and preparation going on behind the scenes and now Dan Ashford's looking to go, then that's going to obviously upset unsettle that as well. So, yeah, I'm sure Eddie would like it um, sorted out. Interesting when you mentioned that you feel like kind of Dan Ashworth is, is a couple of youngsters. So you mentioned Jan Kuba Minty there. And obviously we've got Garan Kuo as well, who'd kind of been out alone on hearts and never really hit the ground running there as well. Didn't they get as much game time as he probably should have. But yeah, the two of those guys look really good, really promising. Positional awareness is probably something that lets Minty down a bit. I know that's been spoken about. But the Tenali deal, you know, Tenali does look like a player. Not the kind of player I thought we were getting when I seen him. I think he looks a bit more of a link-up player um, than I just thought. I thought we were going to get that kind of protector that would sit back, spread the ball about. Um, but yeah, you've got to kind of question the due diligence around that deal. Um, whether anybody could have known, should have known, did know, um, 
Yeah, I think that'll probably come into question at times as well. And maybe that's maybe there's something in that because it was a lot of money we paid for Tenali, right? Between Tenali and Barnes, and we couldn't predict Barnes getting injured, but between Tenali and Barnes, we spent a lot of money, probably the chunk of our, our budget. And then to not have Tenali available for a whole year, it's a, it's a real blow. Mm. Oh, it is. No, no doubt about it. It's a good point you make about Tenali as well. I mean, he could be could be a star player. He looks world class. Um, mm. But yeah, you know, <laughs> he was Milan's best player, um, you know, international as well. So hopefully we will reap the benefits from that particular deal should Dan Ashworth go. Um, current players, um, the big debate last week or the week before, I should say, and it has been over the course of the last month, I would guess, is the Dan Byrne situation, left back. Um, where, where do you stand on that? It, you know, I think last week I expected Dan Byrne to play. I know a lot of people were thinking Livermento would have started, but Newcastle went away. They got a they got a valuable three points on the road. And, you know, I thought Dan Byrne had another good game. You know, he, he fits the... He fits the, the style that Eddie wants to play. He fits the high press. He's used to it now. And, you know, the, the same back four was, was almost unbreakable last year. So nothing really changes in the space of a few months. Um, you, don't, you don't suddenly become a bad player. Um, but, but teams will start to work out your pattern of play and try to, try to find the weakness. But where do you stand on Dan Byrne? Are you, are you still happy to see him fill that left-back role? Or would you like to see Livermanto given a chance? Or would you like to see... A left back player there, like Paul Dummett. I think uh, I think the big picture. So long term, we need a left back. We need an out and out left back. During the summer, I was screaming for Keaton Tierney because I thought he'd run through brick walls for Eddie Howe. Um, unfortunately, he's went to Associate Dad and he's ended up injured again. So you know, it's just one of them. Bit like Woodgate, great, great player. Um, had the, all the potential if it weren't for the injuries. Dan Burnell playing left back now. Um. I'm not a Dan Burn critic. Um, I'm not Dan Burn's biggest fan. I probably sit somewhere in the middle of the fence. He's for me, he's not a natural left back. He was asked, he can play there, but he was asked to go out and do a shift. And he done that shift and he done it well. He's then found himself playing left back more regularly. Now for a big guy, he gets about the pitch pretty quick. He's great in the air and he does get him down the pitch pretty quick. For me though, he's he's probably the Achilles heel is when he gets caught on the turn. So when he's up against somebody with a bit of pace he's probably right up the top of the pitch and he gets caught in the turn. It's that acceleration to get back. So I think that's probably where his Achilles heel is. And saying that, I think at times this season, he's probably been a bit let down in terms of the protection that he should have had. So if we're asking the wing-backs to get right up the pitch um, and, and do that support piece, do the overlaps, then you need to have that protection there. And I think at times as well, Dan Burns probably been let down with the protection that he should have had and he's not had. But yeah, there's also an element in it for me that I think long term we need that out and out left back, that quality um, player that can get up and down that pitch with that pace, get the balls in, do the defensive duties as well. But yeah, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and criticise Dan Byrne because I think, as I say, that would be my only criticism that he's, he's he's turned on the pace. But I think everything he's been asked to do, he's come in and done. He's been up against PSG this season, AC Milan, Borussia Dortmund, Arsenal, guys like Saka. And you're right, Steve. Teams are now starting to pinpoint that, and and that will be their focus: is let him get up the pitch, hit him with the pace on the turn, and try and get down that side and expose it. But yeah, I'd, you're right. It was one of Europe's best defenses last season, and Dan Burn was as much as a part of that as Fabian Schär was, as Sven Botman was, as Kieran Trippier was. So, yeah, you don't turn into a bad player overnight. We just need to give him a bit more protection, and maybe just review um, what support he's getting when he's up against the top player with some top pace. 
Okay, we're halfway through the show. Time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors, Skips and Bins. Go to their website, skipsandbins.com. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com or telephone 0800 25 Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr Vicky's Sources, Handmade in Cumbria. Go to their website, mrvickies.co.uk. Email info at mrvickies.co.uk or telephone 01768 210102. Thanks to United Group Travel. Go to their website, unitedgrouptravel.com. Email info at unitedgrouptravel.com or phone 01670-632-460 or mobile 0791-666-4174. They're a local company from Morpeth and there are no strangers on our tours, just friends you haven't met yet. Big thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And if you want to subscribe to the channel, hit the subscribe button under the video. Click the thumb up to like the video and click share to share to your social media. If you want to help the channel financially, you can pay a one-off £25 fee. You get a cup, a scarf, a pen and a membership card and entry into the NUFC Matters monthly draw. Email john at nufcmatters.com for more details. Or if you've got a smartphone, scan the QR code now and it takes you straight to the membership pack. We also support the food bank on this channel. Go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you'll find the match day bucket. You can make a donation virtually today. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. We also do events during the year. NUFC Matters Live will be at the O2 City Hall on Friday the 2nd of August for an evening with Rob Lee, one night in Antwerp. Tickets start at £15 and you can get them from ticketmaster.co.uk. An evening with the entertainers takes place on Friday the 24th of January 2025 at the Tyne Theatre and Opera House in Newcastle. Telephone 0844 249 or visit the website tynetheatreandoperahouse.uk to buy tickets today. You can also catch me on the Northeast Footy Breakfast Show Live on Toon Radio, weekdays 7 till 9am on DAB, Smart Speakers and thetoonuk.com. And don't forget, we have got our end of season due planned. July the 20th, it is a, a Saturday night, 5 o'clock till late. We've got Ask George live on the stage. We've got Superman and Gibbo live Q&A, Stannington live music. It's a tenner a ticket. Uh, you can go to either nufcmatters.com or newcastlelegends.com and buy your tickets. Should be a crack and do that. Get yourselves down there. Be nice to meet a lot of you face-to-face. And we will be raising money for the food bank that day as well. And if you're at the match today, uh, there will be Gibbo and Ando, one o'clock at the Irish Centre. Free entry. And if you've got kids, they are very welcome as well. And uh, we had uh, a full house there at the last home game. Cracking stuff. Uh, great music. Oasis, uh, Madness, The Jam, Buzzcock, Stone Roses. You get the vibe. Get yourselves in. And uh, we always finish off the last half hour with a few Newcastle United uh, anthems to get you in the spirit and get you ready to uh, sing your heart out for the lads at St. James's Park. So, uh, FFP um, is, is blighted our season as well because no no real business done in the, the January transfer window. It has to be said by everybody, Taylor, of course. You know, it's, you know everybody seems to be very, very cautious about what they spend and, and what they don't spend now because of these uh, rules. I haven't seen the, you know, the punishment meted out to Everton in particular so far. Uh, but 
in the in an ideal world, Newcastle should have some money to spend. You would imagine in the summer. Where would you like to see Newcastle strengthen? I think it's quite a bit. We probably need to be in the summer. In the summer. Um, as I've already mentioned, the left back. I'll probably not mill on that point anymore. But I think probably we need to strengthen in there. Do we need another goalkeeper? So in reality, I'm pretty I'm pretty chuffed with the three keepers we've got. I think I think Drabaka come back in and you know. A bit of lack of confidence there, maybe just a bit of lack of link up between him and the back four. But he's made some good saves. He's starting to find his groove again. I think Nick Pope's a great shot stopper, but you know, dis potentially distribution with his feet not as good. And I think Carius is a, a great backup as well. I know his confidence was certainly shot, but he come back in when he's been asked and he's done what he's been asked to do. I think if you're going to take it to that next step and evolve, as teams like Man City do, though, do we need one of these goalkeepers that play out from the back? It's probably up for debate. Centre-back, we probably need an understudy for Fabian Schaar as well, so somebody that can come in and provide that bit of cover. A bit like what we've done with Tino and, and Trips, you know, come, come in as an understudy, learn from the experience. So I think I'd like to see a centre-back come in as well. Someone in the middle of the pitch that can protect protect um, the back four. So Bruno, Bruno has the tools in his locker. At, you know, Bruno can score, Bruno can shoot. He can do that. That is definitely within his gift. And sometimes it feels like he's either protecting the stats or Eddie says to him, look, don't shoot. Just make sure we get it into the box because that's the game plan for the day. But Bruno has those tools in his locker. So I'd like to see Bruno pushed up a bit and somebody else come in and give the defence a bit of that support to kind of free Bruno up to get into that attacking mode. And we need a striker. We need a striker that can play more than half a season and can get us 20-plus goals. I think if you can get somebody in that's going to bang you in 20 goals a season, and then you've got the likes of Isak who can come in and complement it. Because I don't think Isak's an out-and-out centre-forward, but he's got the scope. Um, and God God love Carl Wilson. He could have potentially been up there with one of our greatest ever strikers, but for the love of, again, these injuries. So for me, yeah, it's a left-back, centre-back, someone in the middle of the park, somebody at the top. So it's really that core spine of the team, right? And as... You know, if you look at Liverpool a few years ago, they done it. They went out and got as a seller, top goalkeeper. They went out and got Allison. They went out and they bought Van Dyke. They went out and they fixed that spine of the team. And then, you know, they had great success on the back end. So I think that's probably where we need to tweak as, as just bringing a bit of support for that. And we need 20 goals a season, Steve. What do you think? I personally, I personally agree. I mean, it's always about the spine. Um, I do think we need a, another goalkeeper to back Nick Pope up. He's in his thirties. He's had not one but two shoulder dislocations, and I think ultimately, you know, we do need somebody in there as backup. Debravka's done okay, but he's he was on the decline before Pope came in. So, uh, would I be disappointed if with FFP we had to strengthen other areas, not the goalkeeper, and go in next season with those two? Yeah, I wouldn't be disappointed, but I do think at some point we're going to need to improve that that situation. I think you're right on the left back. I still think, I still think we need to bring somebody in left back. If you look at our back four, you know we've got three of those players who we would consider our strongest back four. Four, if you're going to consider Lascelles now because he's he's been very valuable this season. They're all the wrong side of thirty. We've only got Sven Botman, who you know is is an age where he's, we're going to get you know another five, six, seven potential years out of him if he stays. So the back four is a major concern. Because those those players aren't going to go on forever. Um, it's it's impossible in the Premiership, which statistically is getting faster each season. So for me, the goalkeeper and the back four is what we need to look at. Um, 
Midfield, I think we I think we've got more than enough in midfield if we can keep a hold of those players at the moment to, to get through maybe this this season, next season, and the season after. Um, if we didn't, you know, if we didn't make changes. You've got to bear in mind Tonali, that old phrase, but he's going to be like a new player. So that leaves up front where you need major reinforcements. Um, I am convinced that Isaac's, you know, well, I, I do believe Isaac's world class. Um, I am convinced he's got to have at least one season where he's not going to, you know, perform as if he's made a fiberglass and get through it. And 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 we get a full season out of him where he gets 20 odd goals. Um, but that means that we're weak up front. We need we need one minimum, probably need another two because we can't go into next season relying on Callum Wilson and Isaac to get through it again. Wilson's great. I agree with you. I mean, his, his stats have got him third in the all-time greatest goal scorers in Newcastle's career, uh, in his career. But, you know, he's, he's again, he's the wrong side of 30. He's 32, isn't he, this this year? And you're just, you know, you, you, you just, you, you're not going to, you're not going to win anything with those kind of players, you know, holding down the, the shirts. And, You've got other players in and around that squad who are out on loan who are dipping, you know, that they're depriving us of going out and becoming a better team because they're they're drawing a wage and they're not playing for Newcastle United. You know, you've got Isaac Hayden, you've got Ryan Fraser, you've got Jeff Hendrick. You, you know, you've got players there who you know will never play for Newcastle United again. And you know, obviously, when when their contracts come to an end, that solves that problem. But um, it, it is restricting us, and that that is the frustrating thing. But in the summer, we need a goal scorer. We need a we need a striker. We need a centre forward. Whatever you want to, what what you know, whatever we bring in, we need something like that. And whether it's a Ferguson from Brighton, whether it's an Adebayo from um, from Luton Town, whether it's an Ivan Tony from Brentford, um, you know, that's the calibre of you know. We need somebody who's playing regularly in the Premier League. You know, in a dream scenario, an Osherman would be fantastic. Yeah. But yeah. you know, you, you know that I think that's been. That that has been probably collectively on NUFC matters. A lot of us would just love to see Osherman in a black and white shirt. Um, but if we've got to get somebody younger who is currently playing that trade in the Premier League, Solanke, again linked with Newcastle because of his, you know, because of his relationship with Eddie Howe and the fact that he took him to Bournemouth and you know, he, you know, he was asked about it yesterday. But yeah, we we need somebody who can come straight into that team and hit the ground running. And we've also got to hope that the youngsters that are coming through, you know, and that and our academy is improving. You know, we we need to see improvement. The big disappointment for me, Taylor, um, Taylor, sorry, is the is the fact that we haven't got anybody in the under twenty ones who is scoring goals. You know, we've we've seen Lewis Miley come to the forefront from a younger from the younger age bracket, but we've got nobody in the twenty ones. And I think that just shows we've you know there's been a lack of investment and there's been a lack of a lack of good players coming through our academy, and that's not something you can change overnight. So, and that would save you money. Taylor. I think there's an interesting point you make about the academy because we did see a bit of investment there in the summer. The guys like Leo Shah and, and stuff coming in. Now, the guys that are coming in, they are young, young, young lads, right? So they're just boys that are kind of going, going to apply their trade and, 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 and start developing. But I think that's a shift. So you mentioned Ivan Tony, and it'd be interesting because Newcastle will still be a bit, do a bit of a chunk, a change from Peterborough on that. So if he does move on, we'll be we'll, we'll a chunk of change. But we probably need to get a bit smarter of that, and we are getting a bit better. When we sell players, these young lads, that we're inserting these things that Man City do, so the ob the, the mandatory um, you know sell on percentage fee, also the option to buy the player back. Man City are quite doing doing that. So if they sell a guy for a million pound, they'll maybe stick in a, a fee that they can buy him back for fifteen million, 
if he does well, right? We need to start getting smarter because some guys have went on and done really, really well that have left Newcastle. Maybe it wasn't their time when they were at us. So guys like Mikel Moreno, um, Ivan Tony as well. You know, there's been loads over the years. But we are starting to invest in the academy, and you can see that. But you're right, Steve. None of them are probably ready to come through in the next season. So Minty's out on loan. We've got Kua out on loan. Are any of them ready to step up next season? Yeah, I don't know. They'll probably come back and be reviewed in the summer. But yeah, with, if you look at that under-21 team that goes out um, at the weekends and stuff, there's nobody in there that you can potentially say they're banging on the door. I know we've had a few guys make appearances off the bench. So I think the last time we played Bournemouth, Ben Parkinson come on and you know we had a couple of other young lads come on as well. But yeah, how many of them are ready to take a step up to the next team? So it's about the quality of the youngsters that are coming through as well. So that probably goes for the quality, the, the coaching and development again. So we know that that area has not been invested in under previous ownership and the new ownership are investing. But it's probably going to take a few years to start seeing the fruits of that labour, right? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. it. It takes time, massive amounts of time for that kind of thing to develop. But um, yeah, you know, transfer window in the summer, it won't be closed for Newcastle. I'm sure they'll do some business. New stadium is another one that I like to ask uh, people coming on from, uh, you know, from supporters groups. Obviously, you know, at the moment, it's a full house at St. James's Park. Season tickets are uh, fully taken up. Corporate areas are, are more or less full. Uh, selection of tickets go on sale for the for the ballot. So yeah, new new stadium first and foremost. Do you, you know, would you like to see Newcastle States and James's Park and build on what they've got already, or would you like to see Newcastle, you know, potentially look at moving? It it, it may well be that they try to move to Leeses Park, and you know, it, it's it's only a it's a stone's throw away, literally a pebbles a pebbles throw away from from the from the area. But what would you like to see happen? I think uh, everybody's got their view on this. I think as an outsider from Newcastle, Steve, I think uh, that's one of the things that's unique about the city for me is the fact that the stadium is in slap bang in the city centre. Everybody gets a bit of the match day buzz. So if you're going for your haircut, if you're going to Greg's for a sausage roll, if you're going to strawberry for a beer, everybody gets a bit of that, that buzz, that match day buzz, and everybody gets a bit of that kind of income and revenue as well. So I know you're talking about potential a move kind of stones throw away, but... If that wasn't on the table, you know, and they were potentially looking to move further out of the city, then I think it could potentially have real impacts because for me, that's one of the beautiful things about Newcastle is you come in, you know, you've got St. James's Park slap bang in the mid in the middle of the town, um, and it's unique. It's also the history of St. James's Park as well. You know, if we create a new stadium, yeah, it'll be modern, we'll get more folks in there. But I think we've probably got to start looking at what can be done with St. James's Park first to try and increase that capacity before they potentially look to build a new stadium. Now, we have heard Daniel Levy come out and say that, you know, if Tottenham hadn't moved stadium, they wouldn't have been able to kind of have the revenues that they, they can produce. So is that part of the evolution for Newcastle that we need to have one of these more modern stadiums? I don't know. I think it'll certainly be in the pipeline longer term, but I think in the shorter term, you know, we've seen the fan surveys and stuff come out where they were asking, I think it was a bit like Chelsea, right? Would you like a bed? in the stands where you can lie down and watch a football match, all this corporate stuff, that feels like the way it's going. Um, but for me personally, no, I, I don't think we need a new stadium yet. I'd like to see St James's Park increased to what it can be increased first, to first, um, and then take it from there, Steve. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand about that, mate. And, and, and you know, I think the ticketing side of things as well, that, that was something that really caused a, an issue at the start of the season. People were up a height. The ballot, do you think Do you think there's any fairer way of doing the, the ballot system? 
It's difficult. Um, I enter the ballot for every game. You know, you get some success. Sometimes you don't get success. Uh, and you hear stories as well. So I know of a guy that, that sat in the same seat for um, the Paris Saint-Germain game at home. And he got that in the ballot. And he sat at the same seat for the, the home game in the, the Premier League before it. So you kind of wonder as to how, how random that actually is. But a swings and roundabouts. You're not maybe getting a ballot for four or five games and then you will. I think the hard thing with it though is, is planning and that's one of the things that we've we've said is so we were looking to get the supporters bus on this season you know coming down on the regular but the ballot kind of changed things so it allows you less time to plan for a game you're maybe getting a few weeks notice as to whether you've been successful or not if you're then not successful you're trying to buy them in the resale and that can be hit and miss as well you're consistently checking and refreshing every day to the point where your ip address gets banned and you can't go on the website anymore because you've refreshed that much um I don't know if there's a fairer way to do it, um, but I think I think uh, over the course of the season, I think it irons itself out. If you enter every ballot, you know you'll get your fair share over the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, some people will get tickets, other people won't. I, I struggle to find you know a, a good system really that Newcastle can bring in. I, I think this is where increasing the capacity is is probably the best thing, you know. And 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 you know, I think. They are looking at things. They're looking at feasibility tests. I think moving, I think bu building on the Gallagher end will probably bring you six and a half, seven thousand extra supporters in. Um, then it's what you do with the East Stand. And you know, once upon a time there was an issue with the buildings behind uh, the East Stand. You know, talk of not being able to do anything and and you know, listed buildings etc. playing the part led to believe now that the buildings behind the East Stand are owned by a Saudi businessman. You would imagine there could be something that could, you know, could be done with them, but you would still have to incorporate the front fascia of those buildings into any new building at the East Stand. But um, I'd like to see them stay at St James's Park. It'll be interesting to see what the feasibility, uh, you know, the feasibility, you know, study, about, yeah. studies and surveys brings back. And I think once that, you know, once we hear from Newcastle about what that's been you know what what is what's developed from that i think we'll we'll have a clear idea what they're going to do but yeah it'll be interesting to see it'll be interesting to see what happens okay uh we are going to look ahead to today's game newcastle uh take on bournemouth and uh, it's a three o'clock kickoff so no live tv coverage for this uh this one if you're uh, outside of the area and not able to get to the game today um, those of you who will remember last season, uh, both games ended 1-1. Uh, we've already played Bournemouth this season, of course, at the Vitality Stadium. We lost 2-0. Um, we have beaten Bournemouth 1-0 at St James's Park in the Carabao Cup in December 2022. But Eddie Howe does tend to struggle against Bournemouth in the uh, the Eddie Howe derby. Uh, we are without a victory in our last three Premier League home games. Uh, the last time we went four without a win at St James's Park was 21-22. Uh, we, uh, we went winless in seven in that little run as well you will have seen eddie house press conference by now callum wills uh wilson it was spoke about uh earlier on in the show is the latest addition uh to this never-ending injury list he's going to be out for up to three months with a pectoral injury uh joe willick alexander rizak elliot anderson are all getting close to return but are not expected to play today Jacob Murphy was on the bench against Notts Forest last weekend, but he was unable to feature because he picked up a calf injury um, and he hasn't trained all week. So hopefully he will at least figure in Eddie Howe's plans uh, this week. And of course, Nick Pope, Matt Target, Sandro Tonali, Joe Linton are all out. Uh, don't forget, uh, there is the threat of a ban 
uh, hanging over Bruno Gamarez. He needs one more yellow card uh, and he'll be on the sidelines for two games. And Anthony Gordon is only two yellow cards away from suffering the same fate. How is Bournemouth shaping up for today's game? Well, Philip Billing is suspended. Uh, there are fitness checks and doubts over Hill, Fredericks, Adams and Aarons for Bournemouth as well. Uh, ahead of that trip to Tyneside today, um, Bournemouth took on Fulham last weekend and lost 3-1, extending their winless run in the Premier League uh, to five games. Uh, the Cherries have won four times on the road so far this season. Uh, they are a team to be wary of. Uh, they beat Sheffield United 3-1, Crystal Palace 2-0, Manchester United at Old Trafford 3-0, Notts Forest 3-2. Uh, they've got draws at Brentford 2-2, West Ham 1-1. Uh, they've had six other away games and they have all ended in defeat. Uh, as for the referee today, well, it's Michael Salisbury. Uh, he is from Preston. This is his first Newcastle game of the season. And on VAR, it is Rob Jones. Uh, we didn't manage to get uh, Toon Stato last night uh, on the Amigos as it was pre-recorded on Thursday. So uh, here is what he had to say. Hello with the stats before Newcastle Bournemouth tomorrow at St. James's Park. Eddie Howe has faced Bournemouth three times in the league and he doesn't have a win. We drew two times last season and we lost 2-0 at Bournemouth earlier this season. Of course, we won last year in the League Cup at St. James's Park 1-0. But in the league, there's a peculiar statistic that Newcastle managers don't do well against their previous clubs. Only one win in the past 13 games for Rafa Benitez against Chelsea back in May 2018. For Newcastle, the entertainers are truly back. 51 goals scored after 24 games. The last time Newcastle scored more than 50 goals in the similar amount of games was back in 1960-1961 top flight season when they scored uh, more than 50 goals in the first 23 games. However, when it comes to conceding goals, when Martin Dubravka is behind the, the goal, Newcastle have conceded every 43 minutes at St. James's Park, while with Nick Pope, uh, the ratio is one goal every 131 minutes. Bournemouth are in a great goal-scoring run of form away from home. They have scored in eight consecutive top-flight games for the first time in their history. And, of course, their main man is Dominic Solanke, who has 15 goal contributions with 13 goals scored and two assists. So let's see what will happen tomorrow when two free-scoring teams are meeting. And let's hope we keep our momentum against the Cherries since after losing the two first home games against them at St. James's Park, we are without a defeat in the last three. Two wins and one draw. How are the lads? Great stuff, uh, Andrea. Thanks very much uh, for doing that as always. So yes, Taylor. Um, you know we we don't we don't tend to perform well against Bournemouth since Eddie Howe came into the uh, the, the club. Uh, always tight games. Uh, Newcastle, of course, already lost to them two 0 this season. How how do you see this one going? Yeah, I think I think it could be a difficult one. It could be another one of these kind of um, gritty draws. But I'm going to back us today. I'm going to go for three-one. I think um, I think we'll be looking to get a bit of payback from from the last time. And I think as long as we can keep Solanke quiet, you know, um, yeah, I think we could win three-one today. I think it'd be interesting as well that you know we've seen 
Gordon playing up top um, and Isaac and Wilson's absence. But we've actually got Barnes back now as well. So I wonder if there's something that could be a bit more fluid. I'd like to see uh, maybe Barnes going up top and giving it a go, see how he gets on. If it's not working, you've always got that option to interlink him and Gordon. So switch it up a bit. And similarly on the wings as well. I think when, when Miggy's getting no joy down one side and maybe Gordon's getting no joy the other side, I'd like to see them being a bit more fluid and switching up the wings a bit as well. But yeah, I'm backing us for a 3-1 win today. I think Har Harvey Barnes is going to burst the back of the net. And I think Longstaff I've got on the score sheet is for the third. I'm not so sure. But yeah, I'm, I'm backing us for a win today, Steve. It's interesting you say Gordon up front. I think I think lots of people feel that that's what is going to happen. But I wouldn't be remiss to having Harvey Barnes up there. And and when he's fit, Joe Willock. I think a lot of people forget when Joe Willock came to Newcastle originally on loan. He, he went on that wonderful goal scoring run, seven goals in seven games, coming from from back. But the good thing is we're going to have a few options. But I I think your fluidity uh, statement there is quite a good one. You know just changing things around, you know, you, you, you've you got the likes of Miggy Almiron, Anthony Gordon and Harvey Barnes who can interchange and, and create difficulties for defenders. Yeah, and it needs to be as well. So when when, when things are not working and, you know, I, 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 I'll take it back to that Southampton game where I took my daughter to her first game. I remember Miggy getting a torrid time. I think the guy's name's Saliba that plays at the back for Southampton. Big, strong guy. Miggy couldn't get any joy. And those are the exact opportunities where it's like, you're getting no joy down that right-hand side. Switch him up to the left and give Gordon a shot of running at him. You know, a bit more physicality and stuff. And I think, yeah, we need to start incorporating that into the game plan, actually. Things ain't working. We're going to change this up. Barnes up top. Gordon onto the, the left or the right. And just and just switch it up. Just have a bit more fluidity. And it probably makes us a little bit less predictable as well. You know, if, if we're going to change it up, then teams don't know what's coming at them. They don't know they're going to have Miggy running at them for 90 minutes. So, yeah, I'd like a bit more fluidity and a bit more of a... Bit more bravery at times as well. Actually, things ain't working here. Let's not be scared to change it and and go and have a pop. Mm. What would your team be today, says Tom? I mean, I think it picks itself more or less today, doesn't it? Especially with the lack of strike and options. I think the you know I think the Dan Burns situation was answered last week. I think the back four will be the same. I think it'll be Debravka. I think you'll have Trippier in there with Fabian Share, Botman, and 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 Dan Burn. Um, I guess the big question is what he does in, in the midfield. Well, of course, you know, you're going to have Bruno and Miley, aren't you? You, you know, it, it's, it's how he how he sets up the day. Is, is Murphy going to be fit? Is, is he going to go with Almiron? Is he going to go with Arby Barnes? You know, what, what, what's he gonna, what, what, what is he going to do? He's going to play one up front. He's probably going to play Gordon through the middle. It's just how your midfield sets up, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the, there's one or two options which have been taken away from us uh, through, through injury. So, you know, I guess it's the midfield that you, you could answer, uh, Taylor. I think, yeah, I think the midfield's kind of speaking for itself as well. Um, Big Joe's out now. I think whilst he's out, they need to be getting his contract sorted ASAP. So if Ashworth does move on, he don't come sniffing for Big Joe. Because that would just be criminal. So we need to get Big Joe um, done up. We've got Tenali, who we've spoke about, is out. Um, I think it's probably potential. You might see Joe Willock and even Elliot Anderson make the bench today. I don't think either of them will make the first team. But I think we might start to see those guys hitting the bench again. We know they've been back in training. They're getting closer and closer. But yeah, I think the midfield is going to be Longstaff, Bruno and Miley again. Um, mm -hmm. And Miley as well, arguably at times, has been our best player this season. So in some of those... When we had that real injury crisis and we were up against some tougher teams earlier and we were still in the Champions League, he's looked our best player at times up against some top, top teams. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Miley's a shoo-in uh, for today as well. The concern is, though, that 
with those injuries in the middle of the park, suspensions, etc., that if if we had a fully fit team, would Miley start every game? And I'm not saying that he shouldn't, but I'm more thinking for his development. You know, we've seen it before with young football players that play in lots and lots and lots of games. They can get burnt out and, you know, have shorter um, kind of careers and stuff. So, yeah, I think we just need to protect Miley as well and make sure that we don't overload him, don't overburn him. But, you know, what a player he's turning into be. Yep, uh, his dudeness says, hopefully Trippier goes into midfield when we have the ball like he did last week. Let's Bruno push up the field. Yeah, it was very noticeable that. Uh, yeah, Ian, you're probably right, mate. Um, it, it is fairly predictable. But uh, yeah, there's hopefully going to be a few more options over the course of the next uh, couple of weeks. Alan, lovely co- uh, lovely uh, message this. He went, morning, Stephen Taylor. We've had some great players from Scotland. John McNamee, Bob Monker, Jinky Smith, but the best for me, Tony Green. Yeah, great, great relationship, hasn't it, over the years with um, with with Newcastle United and some 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 wonderful Scottish players that we've seen. Probably in Mark McGee, you can put him down there in 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 you know in the nineties. Didn't do so well in the seventies, but when he came back in the nineties with Mickey Quinn, he formed a formidable partnership. Yep, yeah, yeah, you hundred percent. Dad, we've also had a few others as well. So Stephen Glass, um, great, is great lad, managing. He's in managing now as well. We've had Duncan Ferguson. You know, how could you forget Duncan Ferguson, right? What fantastic. I just shared the goal the other day that he scored against Man United. He turns and just hits it sweet on the volley. Fantastic player. And, and what a guy and character he is as well. And guys like Kevin Gallagher as well. So, yeah, we've had a few Scotsmen that have, that have, that have joined us over the years and some great ones too, as you just mentioned. Proud Scotsman, obviously. Would you like to see Elliot Anderson pulling on the blue? Yeah, I think... I hope it's not. I hope it's not off the cards. But he did get kind of the called up to the squad, and then there was a bit of a a mystery injury that that seen him return back to St James's Park, and then he ended up appearing in in the squad at the weekend. So I hope Southgate's not managed to persuade him yet, because yeah, Elliot's a cracking, cracking player. Yeah, Anthony Gordon being linked as well, Tino as well. So you never know, you may get one of the lads uh, going up there, and it, it's up to John Carver, I think, and Steve Clark to persuade <laughs> them, isn't it? The world's greatest coach has got the, the opportunity to try and persuade these guys to come up. So come on, John, get your stuff done. He's a top lad, JC, top lad. Okay, uh, we've reached the end of the show. Uh, just a quick plug again, mate. Where can we find uh, details of the Newcastle United Scotland supporters? Yep, so you can come and check us out on uh, Facebook, NUSS, Newcastle United Scotland supporters. Steve shared their badge there as well. So yeah, great community, doing lots of great stuff for charity and just chat and tune all day, every day, 365 days a year. We don't stop, we don't sleep. So come and check us out. Great stuff. Uh, absolute pleasure to have you on. We'll get you back on as well at some point, Taylor. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week with Nobby. Uh, but for now, enjoy the game, mate. Thanks for coming on. Take care. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys.